Amen. I don't know why it, uh, Dave is not around today, and I'm going to say the our football team, they did so well. They scored one goal, but the opponents put two goals in. <laughs> but uh, we still love them, uh, and we are not going to sack uh, the manager. <laughs> Uh, Today we'll be looking at the book of Hebrews. I love the book of Hebrews so much because um, of one thing I've seen through all the chapters. Uh, You see Jesus in the book vividly. And with God's revelation, you, you can really see the work that uh, God has done for us, not because we've been working so hard to please God. You will see how Jesus laid down his life for us. Uh, you will see how God, in the person of Jesus Christ, said, no, these people are worth it. They are so valuable to me. And I want to come for them. I want to feel, I want to feel like them. I want to see, you know, how, 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 how they go through temptation. I want to help them. I want to remove the old so that they can actually approach me directly. I want us today to be, like Philippa said, to, be, to open our hearts and uh, just see the wonderful things Jesus has done for us. I meant that we're going to watch the video, but somehow the technology is not here today. So I'm going to try and <clears throat> just summarize the book and look into four or five things that I want us to take home today. But you see, everything I'm going to say is wrapped around Jesus Christ. So let's keep our hearts and our minds open to that. In fact, when you read Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, The Bible says in the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. I will come back to that. The book of Hebrews, there has been a lot of debate who wrote the book. But honestly, we don't know who wrote the book. But fingers or your finger can point to about three people. Some people suggested it might be Barnabas. Some people suggested that it might be Paul. Some people suggested it might be Apollos. The reason is because there is a lot of things in the book of Hebrews that talks about the old covenant, relating that and bringing that into the new covenant. And I could sympathize, not, not, not sympathize, I could identify with people pointing to either Barnabas, Apollos, or Paul. Because Paul, all his, 
all his life until he encountered Jesus Christ was following the law. You know, he was following the law 100%. In fact, the Bible says in Philippians 3 that when it comes to legalistic righteousness, it was faultless. When it comes to following the law, obeying the 623 laws, it was faultless. It didn't break any. When it comes to zeal, he was persecuting the church. He was a Pharisee. You know, he said, when it comes to circumcision, he was circumcised on the eighth day. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. <laughs> but he said, when he encountered Christ, all that was gained to him, he counted them loss for the sake of Jesus Christ. So probably that's why some people said, mm, it could be Paul. Some people said it could be Apollos. But I want us to see the reason why some people said it could be Apollos. If we look at Acts chapter 18, this is just a preamble, just uh, for us to just see why people suggested that. If you look at Acts chapter 18, Acts chapter 18, from verse 24, meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man. Please see his qualification, just like Paul, before he encountered Christ. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord. And he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila had, had him, they invited him to their house and explained to him the way of God more accurately. You know, Apollos, before he encountered Christ, he was learned, he was speaking the scripture boldly, and the Bible says he accurately, that was so mind-boggling, and taught about Jesus accurately, but he only knew about John the Baptist. <laughs> Anything after John the Baptist, no clue. So, but when Priscilla and Aquila brought him in, they explained the word, I mean, the word of the Lord to him more accurately. So these are pointers, but we don't know who really wrote Hebrews. But the audience is like the Jews, the, the Jewish Christian, and because of some of these complications. So you could see some people actually living after Jesus came, died, and resurrected, that some people didn't have a clue about who Jesus was, the only thing they knew was up to the point of John the Baptist. So, events after that, they didn't have any clue. So, this could be the reason why they had to explain so many things in the Old Testament. So, when we look at the first part, we look at Jesus as the Word. We look at Jesus as whom God sent to us. God sending His Son to us, to die for us. And we're going to have a a, 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 a brief look at that. Then the second part about that is the hope we have that we are not forgotten. That actually when Jesus came, he came to identify with us. He came to set us free from our sin. And after that, we look at the old covenant, the high priest, you know what they were doing in those days in the Old Testament, all the rituals, all the sacrifice they were making and 
And the Bible even says that God was not even pleased with all those sacrifices. But when Jesus came, we will see what Jesus did for us as our high priest. Then lastly, we are told that we have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let us hold fast. to the, If Jesus has done this for us, please don't fold your hand and think you will not respond to what Jesus has done. So make your, your, your love for Jesus. Make it count. Don't just sit there and not do anything. Use your faith. So when you read Hebrews 11, it says, by faith, this happened. By faith, this happened. These people used their faith to conquer kingdom. So the Bible is saying, don't just rest at the fact that Jesus died for you and set you free, but also use your faith to achieve things for the kingdom. So, but let's take a closer look at the book. Is that okay? Are you following me? And I have to do that in 20 minutes because I'm going to long sight after this to go and uh, preach the same word. The Bible says, in Hebrews 1, verse 1. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things. He appointed him heir of all things, not most things, not many things. Jesus is the legal inheritor of everything. Not most things, not few things. So, Jesus owns everything. And when Jesus is demanding something from us, he has the right because he's the owner of everything. And through him, and through whom he made the universe. Oh, that is so wonderful for me. The Jesus I'm talking about, please, you know, I need to say this. So that when Jesus actually came in the flesh to die for us, for you to know that he has the right to die for us and to free us, and there's nothing the devil can do about it. The Bible says, through him, the universe was made. What does that mean? It means everything that was made, He was the one that made it. There was nothing that was made that he didn't make. What does that mean? It means he knows the origin of everything. You cannot inform Jesus about a situation that he doesn't know. All the sophisticated and complicated issues in the world, he was there at the beginning. And he can trace it back to the rudimentary constituent. That's Jesus. Everything under the earth, in the heart, in the heavens, above the heavens, there was nothing that was made that he didn't know about them. That's the Jesus you are serving. He's self-sufficient that nothing moves him. Any complicated and sophisticated machine, system, philosophy in the world, they don't bother Jesus. He was there at the beginning. Nothing can move him. Nothing can push him aside. That's why the Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let me quickly tell you, God doesn't grow. He doesn't improve. There's nothing about him to improve. He's just the same. Hallelujah. I'm so excited when I read such things. 
That's the God you are serving. So nothing, nothing can embarrass him. Nothing can threaten him. It will trace the history back to the origin. And the Bible now says, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Not most exact representation of his being. Let me quickly say this. Jesus is not part of God. Jesus is God 100%. One God in three persons. Jesus. Jesus. When you meet Jesus, you are meeting God. If Jesus says this, you are, he's saying to you what God will exactly say because he is, he is God. In fact, for me to show you this, let's read, uh, let's read verse 5. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. In speaking of the angels, he says, he makes the angels' wings, his servants' flames of fire. But about the sun, he says, please hear what God says about the sun. Your throne, O God. God himself called him God. <laughs> That's Trinity. Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. And righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. Sorry, before I go on, I just want to finish what I was saying in verse 3. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by, the, by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, right hand of the majesty in heaven. Huh. The Bible says he is the one sustaining all things by the words of his power. Jesus doesn't need to be stressed about any situation. All he just needs to do is just to speak the word. Jesus doesn't run around because something is so problematic that he has to sweat to bring a solution. God doesn't need to do that. <laughs> He only needs to speak the word. Jesus is the coercive force that brings all things together. That's why God is presenting him to us. That there is no salvation in any other name. There is no name that is given among men by which we will be saved. Acts chapter 4 verse 12. Apart from the name of Jesus. Jesus is the power of God. Jesus is the wisdom of God and he sustains all things. Is the one that is making everything to hold and to gather together. Wow. Don't worry about those people who are kicking against him, who are rebelling against him, who say he's not Lord. The Bible says one day every knee will bow. Both in heaven and under the heaven that Jesus is Lord. Amen. That's the God you are serving. So the Bible now says in verse chapter 2, verse 9. It began to talk from verse 2 that God placed everything 
under man and woman. So when you read from verse 5, verse 6, it says, What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made, a, you made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor, and put everything under his feet. So when God made man, he put everything under the feet of man and woman. He said, have dominion. Be fruitful. You are blessed. He just wanted to share, you know, his love with his people. But the Bible says, you know what, what happened, what the devil did. He says, in putting everything under him, God left nothing that is not subject to him. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to him, but we see Jesus. <laughs> so in every situation, you know why I went through introducing Jesus? Is that you must be seeing Jesus every time. If you don't see anything, see this Jesus. The exact representation of God. The legal inheritor of everything. He is the one that is sustaining everything. So God is saying, no matter what the situation is, how complicated, how, how sophisticated, how, how big and gigantic that problem is, see Jesus. See Jesus. So, whom do we see? We see Jesus. You must every time in any situation that you are going through, say, but I see Jesus. Of course, this is what is happening. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it, but I see Jesus. That is the confidence we have in God. So what again did he do in verse 14? Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in the humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. Oh, hallelujah. The devil that is harassing us, intimidating us, squeezing us, shouting at us, roaring like a lion. The Bible says Jesus destroyed the power of death. Death doesn't have dominion over us. We are, we, we are free. When he rose up, the Bible says, by the spirit of holiness, Jesus could not be held down in the grave. Oh, all the chains were loose. I'm just telling you what is in the Bible. So that's the reason why you need to keep seeing Jesus. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Let me quickly tell you, you have freedom. The, this Jesus I'm talking to you, in fact, let me ask you a, a question. Does Jesus have the right over devil or not? Yes. That is the reason why he can give us freedom. <laughs> in fact, the Bible says it was for freedom that Christ, well, how did he say it now in Galatians? Set us free. Is that something like that? Yeah. Brothers and sisters, you are free to serve God. You are free from the slavery, from the chains and the dominion and the oppression of the devil. In fact, the Bible says, for this reason, Jesus says, I've come to destroy the work of the devil. Oh, Hebrews, Hebrews, Hebrews. So people, you know, some people want to compare Jesus with Moses. They want to compare him with angels. You know, I was even saying, if God sent angels to be with me, 
angel who is, I mean, they are just spirit being. They are meant to serve me. If the only thing God did, save me and give me Jesus, uh, give me angels to be my side, I would like that. I want to eat the food of angels, like it was Elijah. And I want them to just escort me everywhere. <laughs> but God said, no. It's my son, it's me that I'm giving you. That is so wonderful. So the Bible says Moses was a servant in the household of God. But Jesus was a faithful, was, he was faithful to the one who appointed him. Just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found, that's Hebrews chapter 3, verse 3. Jesus, hey, look at that. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses. Just as the builder of, of a house has greater honor than the house itself. Please let me tell you, Jesus is greater than Moses. Some people, they just limit their doctrine to Moses. In fact, Jesus will say, verily, verily, I'm saying to you, in the beginning, Moses was not there in the beginning. <laughs> so, everything Moses said to you, just cancel them. And I'm the one that destroy. You know, I'm the end of the law. I'm your righteousness. I was the one that went into heaven. I sacrificed myself. I shed my blood. Not the blood of goats and cows and turtle doves. I went with my own blood. So you know what you have. That's the next thing I want to talk about. Instead of making sacrifice every time, you take it to a priest and you stand at the altar court. The priest will go make sacrifice and say, God has forgiven your sins. Oh, okay, go. Then you bring your goat again the next day. And before you go, you have to inspect your goat and make sure there is no blemish. When you have done that for about two or three hours, you say, oh, there's no blemish. You take it to the priest. Then you sacrifice the priest. Then they take the blood. Then the high priest, once a year, will go and represent everybody in the presence of God. Say, God, I have come. Forgive the sins of these people. The sins they know and the sins they don't know. Just forgive them. Amen. <laughs> and as soon as he's coming back and he forgets his wristwatch, you know he can't go back again. <laughs> Once a year, you know what Jesus did? He destroyed all those arrangements. And gave us free pass, free access to God. Do you know that you have free access to this almighty God? So the Bible says in Hebrews 4.16, let us come boldly with confidence to the throne of grace. Where we can obtain mercy and grace to help us in time of need. When there is a need, the first thing to do is not to start complaining. Start analyzing your situation. Go boldly and say, God, I have a need. I come with a free pass. I need your mercy. I need your grace. I need your wisdom. And God will do it. The Bible says, does anyone lack wisdom? Let him come to me, not go to the priest or the high priest. You know, you have free access to God. Present your case to him. You have a throne full of grace. Grace to help us. Not because of what you have done or what you have not done. You know, that's, what, that's why I like Jesus. There's nothing you can do 
In fact, the Bible says our righteousness, they are like filthy rags. So come to him. Just go there. Said by the blood of Jesus, I come to you. And he will meet your needs. Are you struggling with your prayer life? That is a need. Say, I come boldly to your throne of grace. I've been struggling in my prayer life. You will see grace given to you for you to move on. Are you struggling with your Bible study life? That's a need. Say, God, I'd love to read your word. But I come boldly to your throne of grace. I need grace now. You'll be overwhelmed by the Spirit of God. You know, I was so happy when Daniel last week was giving us the word. Can you imagine that we have prophets in the house that raise the mind of God and, you know, God would just want to speak to his people. God said last week that this is the season of God's favor. You know, I grabbed it. You mean this is my season of favor? Then the next thing God said was, impossibilities will become possible. You know, I was so happy. I still remember up to today, I said, this is my season of favor. You see, I see myself walking around with God's grace, with God's favor, with God's mercy, just because of what Jesus did. And he has the right. He has the power because he's the legal inheritor of all things to do whatever he wants to do. And he has decided to love you unconditionally. Wow. So the Bible now says in Hebrews 11, all you need to do is connect your faith with him. There's a warning for us which I want us to read. Hebrews chapter 10. With all this that Jesus has done for us, it says, Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24, And let us consider how we may spur one another towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. If we deliberately keep on sinning, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, No sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think a man deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant, that sanctified him and who has insulted the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, it is mine to avenge, I will repay and again. The Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Please let me read that verse 26 again. See what the Bible says. If we deliberately keep on sinning. Did you see that after that, that person didn't come to repentance. The Bible says, if we sin, what should we do? Come back, repent, and confess your sins. But this guy, or this woman, deliberately kept on sinning. That's a warning for us. 
If we sin, let's go back. Confess our sins, let's repent. But do you see this guy? He just went on sinning and kept on sinning without repenting. So what Jesus is saying, is not that if you sin, there's no repentance. Once you repent, you come back to Jesus. You will find mercy. But if you deliberately keep on sinning, and you keep on sinning, and you didn't ask for repent, and you didn't confess your sin and repent, that's what the Bible is talking about. So there's provision for us that when we sin, we can come back. But it's when we don't come back and we deliberately keep on sinning. Now, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. The Bible says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reference and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. You see what God is saying? He's saying, hold fast to what you have. There's no more provision that God can give to man or woman apart from Jesus. He says, so therefore, you have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. It can't be moved. So hold fast to Jesus that you believe. Even when the devil is trying to do something, hold fast. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. In fact, that's what Hebrews chapter 12 says in verse, chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Jesus is the author of our faith. Let's fix our eyes on him. He's done so much for us. What he's asking us to do is to fix our eyes on him. Lastly, I want us to read together. Please, I want you to take your Bible. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 29. I want us to read it together. To celebrate what God did for us. To rejoice and to say, I'm going to hold on to Jesus. I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus. I'm going to fix my thoughts on Jesus. Are we there? Hebrews 13, verse 29. Sorry, there is no 29. That's my own chapter. (laughs) Verse 20. Sorry, it's my glasses. (laughs) At least you can blame it on something. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Hebrews 13, 20. You see, I want us to read it joyfully. I want us to read it. And go back home and read it. Let's go. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant, brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with every good thing for doing his will. And may he walk in us, what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, Philippa.